Welcome back to They Talk Sex podcast. I'm your host, Elle Stanger. This is the Curvy Sex and Porn Maker episode. We're going to be speaking with April Flores. April is an award-winning porn maker. She's been in the industry for 17 and a half years as of this recording, and she has all of that experience and knowledge. Hello, April. Hi, Elle. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. You can be contacted at fattydelicious at gmail.com. What other websites, anything you want to share? You know, I should have a website. <laughs> I don't mm. right now. Um, So just, you know, like email fattydelicious at gmail is good or my socials, um, Twitter and uh, OnlyFans are at the April Flores. And as of this recording, Instagram is at the April Flores, but with two E's. So T-H-E-E, April Flores. Mm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, why can I never find my favorite people that I'm looking for? I find bootleg and stalker accounts before I find them. It's because of shadow banning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we get it. So if you haven't already, go to the web, look up April Flores. Uh, when did you start first start working in the adult entertainment industry? I first started in the adult entertainment industry in October of 2005. Um, and so, yeah, like you said, 17 and a half years, it's, it's wild how fast time goes. Um, you know, as I've aged, I just have a different, as most people do, I think have a different relationship to the passage of time. Mm. Um, but I started, uh, with, so my late husband, Carlos Betts and I, um, so we met in the year 2000 and as model and, you know, photographer, and I was his muse. And mm. the one, <laughs> the one constant in our relationship was the camera. So, mm. you know, like no matter what was happening, we were always like shooting still images and slowly um, because he was directing adult films as well. So slowly the uh, moving image began to you know we were exploring that and me being in front of the camera and at first I was really like stiff and like what am I doing like I don't get it like what's happening um but eventually like I became more uh comfortable in that type of medium mm -hmm. I was trying to think someone asked me if I had a type and I was thinking I'm like well I like a person who likes a camera and likes to take photos of things and me so I've dated a lot of photographers <laughs> And then, yeah, it's like a natural evolution. I think when you're having fun together, it's like, what do we want to make for ourselves? And then maybe we're proud of it. So we want to share it and maybe we want to monetize it. It happens. Yeah, it, it, it's it's so cool how growth can happen in, in different facets of life. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first um, video was we were doing still images. So we, we were working on a a book project which was eventually published in 2013 mm -hmm. called fat girl and i was the sole subject so there are other people in the book with me but it's me throughout mm -hmm. and we were really inspired by um porn art one and porn art two um they're these small art books by domain as a french photographer and his muse and mm -hmm. i was just really inspired by that book because it's really sexy and um the 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 subject she is so gorgeous and the juxtaposition of her like she would be being penetrated anally 
you know, so her ass is stuffed with a penis and then, but her face looks so angelic and just like, Mm -hmm. like if you cut the the image in two, like you would not know. Mm -hmm. And so that for me, I was just like, oh, this is so cool. Like there can be a book about this, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, showing this explicit sex, but it's also art. And, you know, Carlos was an artist for sure. So we were inspired anyway um the first so we were taking and he would um also make costumes and paint and do all these things so he gave me a hood made out of um fishnet Mm. and we had like cut the mouth like we made an opening for the mouth (laughs) but then like sewed it kind of shut and then I got a blade and I put the blade in my mouth. So it was very oh, weird. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Playing not, with texture and yes. shapes. and ooh. Yeah. Nothing overtly sexual, but you know, I was like, just, I was like, okay, the camera's going, let me just go with it. Let me just try to do something that would seem interesting visually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were working on fat girl and at the same time in 2005, Carlos shot, legendary iconic belladonna mm, mm-hmm. coming and, of age for me yep mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and she saw his portfolio she saw me in his portfolio and she was like who is this and so we carlos and i had wanted her to be part of fat girl the, the project that we were compiling images for mm-hmm. and so we met with her and um her husband at the time, they were collaborators and mm-hmm. we were like, Hey, do you want to like shoot still images for this book? And I've said this in every interview, but she was very progressive and ahead of her time mm-hmm. because <laughs> she was like, no, I only shoot for my own company. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Would you want to shoot being like a sex scene with me? And I was like, what the fuck? Like, uh, I never, <laughs> I hadn't, <laughs> hadn't thought that far ahead. Exactly. Yeah. I um never even really watched porn to like get off. I watched it because it's interesting, you know, it was like, or if, if a partner would put it on, I'd be like, okay, that's cool in the background, but like, let's, let's do that instead. So hmm. it, it wasn't something where, cause I know some performers, they know exactly like how they, like what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it was just a very slow and gradual, um, and a very privileged way to enter into uh, performing mm-hmm. an adult. Sounds very exploratory. Very exploratory, very safe. You know, was with my husband and um, he knew a lot of people in the industry. And a lot of my friends were performers or directors or both. So I entered in a very, very privileged way. And that's mm-hmm. why when people ask, like they don't really ask anymore because I think this info is out there if you just google it but um before people say how do you get started i'm like i don't know because my path here is not it's just a very roundabout way Mm -hmm. yeah i and i want to talk more about carlos and learn more about carlos in a little bit um and we will i appreciate that you said that belladonna and you've said this before she was so progressive because that has always struck me too she was booking people she was booking older performers like working with nina hartley she was working with bigger body people she was working with trans people and it was all she was like a mainstream woman-run production company i think and it was like very hardcore yeah yeah. Yes. Yes. And that was the stuff I stumbled upon when I was working in porn shops uh, in 2005. So the year you started making media, I think is the year I started selling media. So that's probably why I found you so quickly. Cute. <laughs> yeah, I think so. 
So, um, so we'll circle back to, to talk about your late husband for sure. But who, who did you like working with or do you have any other performers you want to name drop? Oh, okay. So I, I like, I loved working with Mimosa. Um, we shot for kink, uh, many, many years ago, but she's just a very dynamic performer and really fun and present. And that's, those are the scene partners I enjoy the most is if someone is present, fun, um, or at least <laughs> seems like they're having fun. I mm -hmm. don't, <laughs> I've only worked with a few people who've been checked out and that feels totally icky. <laughs> um, and what do you mean? That was, you know, just like, just like mechanical about it. Mm, checked out in that way. Gotcha. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. Just like, okay. Great. It's just like, like a job. Like we're just going through the motions, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, which I get, I get like what, especially now that performers are doing, wearing all the hats, like mm. the actual sex part is such a small <laughs> part of content creation. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I, I get if a, a content creator is, just in the mode of like, okay, let's get this shot and edit it and promote it and all these other things like marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, it can it can feel like a job, which which it is, but mm -hmm. also like I I love fucking and I love, you know, mm -hmm. like connecting with the person in the moment. Like I feel like in the moment I am in love with this person mm -hmm. for this this moment. Cause you know, it's a for me, it's a very special space to inhabit with someone or, or people. And for me, I like to just, uh, you know, enjoy that aspect. I love um, performing with people who have experience <laughs> performing um, mm -hmm. either adult or just performing in general, because they'll probably be better at it. I mean, experienced folks tend to be better. <laughs> Most yeah. of us aren't great at something the first couple of times we try it. Unless it's really <laughs> a, yeah, a, a genius. Uh, yeah, what you said earlier about like wearing many hats, I'm thinking I like talking and having these conversations, but I hate editing and the <laughs> tech setup we had to begin. I'm like, I'm not tech literate. Yeah, it's yeah, that can be exhausting for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so what are I, I have some really smart listeners. A lot of people have been hearing these episodes for now almost three years or more if they listen to my other podcast. So I have some really porn literate listeners, but for new oh. folks coming in, yeah. What are some things that you have noticed seem to surprise people when you talk about the work? I, I feel like part of the taboo that existed, you know, in the beginning of my career has since it's dissipated, especially with OnlyFans and um, the beginning of the pandemic where we were all, you know, uh, confined to our homes and, um, people had to explore other ways to make money. Like OnlyFans became a, like a just, uh, you know, part of the zeitgeist and mm -hmm. people get it. So I feel like the stigma that was there before has kind of gone away. But I think in general, um, I, you know, how much work goes into it. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and like mm -hmm. I said, a few minutes ago, like, the just how little the actual fucking part is of the whole like machine yeah <laughs> yeah right yeah I did I recorded a five minute blowjob clip he wanted the client wanted it POV he wanted uh, me to say his name he wanted a countdown at the end and I was like okay so like the actual filming took like you know five and a half minutes 
Um, but like the setup and like where do I put the tripod so that my co-person, you know, like the living penis that I'm performing on, like how do they hold it? So like they're not in the <laughs> reflection and then I have to edit it. And then, yeah. And then like, how do I send it without getting flagged? Yeah. It's just so much <laughs> extra legwork. Right. And it's like, it's just a fucking blowjob scene. Like, God damn. Exactly. Yes. Very relatable. Um, but I, I think beyond that too, like, um, I think people are surprised by how smart we are. Like, I feel like a lot of people <laughs> that last, mm. it, it, it just, you know, like we're not these vapid airheads, sex crazed, just like sex machines. Like we are capable and driven and, you know, like interesting in my opinion. So uh, we're not like these, um, uh, people who are just like throw away like oh, okay you can't do anything else but you know like so just do sex work like I, I feel like that is the thing that surprises people mm. but also like I don't share what I do for work with many people right away like I have a, a fake answer or now I'm doing intimacy coordinating which is very more much more like palatable for a stranger to accept and also for me to talk about so I don't give up what I do uh easily to new people mm. um for that for you know for that reason and also like when I used to when I you know would tell people right away uh they would take it as the green light just to like dump on me like all their sexual questions or their escapades mm. or whatever so right yeah <laughs> have you found definitely. that too oh yeah definitely I've had people tell me either stuff that's like really really heavy um, or like proposition me outright. And mm -hmm. it's so irritating because I'm like, oh, you've already put me in this box. And it's like the kindergarten, you know, the kindergartner that thinks that like the teacher lives at the school. Like you think I live <laughs> like in the bed, like fucking all the time, but like, I don't. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, the intimacy coordinating work. So for people who don't know what that is, can you explain? Oh, sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very, I'm very good at this part. Okay. Intimacy coordinating is much like stunt coordinating in film and television production. So in, but, but instead of dealing with, you know, stunt scenes, we deal with scenes that involve nudity and or simulated sex. So basically we are there to protect the actors, make sure that um, no one's pressured to do anything that they haven't agreed to. Uh, no one's uh, boundaries are crossed. No consent is violated. Um, and we're there to, you know, ensure for the actors, but also for the production, you know, like we're there for everyone's safety and we are able to also help with um, choreographing a scene, which I, I love that part because mm -hmm. I have all this experience with, you know, doing sex in front of a camera that, uh, you know, doing it for a film or TV production is it's a whole different world in in the production aspect. Like it's an entire new universe, but the actual like choreography of it, it's I'm like, OK, I got this. Yeah. So, folks, if you've watched a TV show or, you know, a Netflix show or whatever, where there's a sex scene and it's staged, obviously, uh, you have folks like April to thank for making that more realistic and improving the workers experiences hopefully yes 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 yes, yes. uh real quick i want to ask i know that some folks who work for bigger porn production companies have really rigorous sti screening have you ever experienced 
um, anything like that? Yeah. Um, I always test before shooting. I make sure my scene partner has a test that's not older than two weeks. Hmm. Um, when, when I first came into the business, it was, uh, you know, the, the test would be good for one month, but now it's down to two weeks, which, you know, is, it is more costly, but also it's, it's worth it, you know, for the, just the safety. Um, and I think when people started testing a lot for, uh, COVID, the adult industry mm-hmm. was like, hey, <laughs> take mm-hmm. cues from us. We're testing all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I, most uh, all the companies I've worked for require a test. And also if I'm doing a trade, um, I require a test as well. Right. And what are you screening for? Chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, HIV? Yeah, all, all of that stuff. It's like the general performer yeah. panel. And I think now um, they're testing the throats and, um, you know, buttholes as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Swabs. Right. Swabs. Yeah. Yeah, That makes sense. So yeah, that's a lot. That's something a lot of people don't know either. And especially the stigma of like porn workers being dirty or diseased. I know that a lot of people in porn check their health 10 times more than the average porn consumer. (laughs) 10 times. Yeah. It's a generalization, (laughs) but way, way more. Yeah. Yeah. Right. When was the last time you got to, not you, but yeah, it's just like exactly. the general. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I love saying that to people, literally, if it's some shithead in a bar who's like, oh, blah, 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 dirty something. And I'm like, oh, when was your last screening? <laughs> and it's so often they're like, what? I don't, I don't, I don't get, I'm, oh, you don't get screened. So you don't know your status. Shut the fuck up. Okay. Exactly. I make a lot of friends this way. Not really. Um. So, okay. I... I want to I want to definitely give some time and space. Uh, you said this year is the 10 year anniversary of Carlos's passing. Carlos Bats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found a uh, looks like XBiz still has up uh, from 2013 that there was a fundraiser for you mm-hmm. in 2013. Yeah. And it looks like folks donated works. uh so that you obviously could have some time to rest and deal with those unexpected costs. Um, I relate to that, uh, not exactly in the same way, but my beloved boyfriend died by suicide two-ish years ago, and I did receive a lot of support, and we did do an art fundraiser. Um, mm. We, Yeah, we donated some of the, we donated the money from his art, but a lot of people donated directly to me with the understanding that how the hell was I going to be able to do sex work or any kind of work when I was mm-hmm. grieving? Mm-hmm. So what does that bring up for you? Yeah, just so many emotions. Uh, but I, I'm glad you brought up the art uh, fundraiser because Carlos was deeply an artist and the whole LA art community, LA erotic art community really uh, rallied together behind me and um i'm remembering at the at the gallery that night um you know we were in the art world so we would go to openings all the time and being at that show surrounded with his friends and artwork and it was a somber feeling for sure but you know people are chatting and having fun and there were several times where I would just like look across the room and expect to see him. Cause you know, that was a familiar setting and you know, like a month after he passed and he's nowhere. And that was like, 
so hard. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I just, I thought uh, it was like, okay, one more way I am going to feel his absence. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like it, time goes by so fast and it's 10 years mm-hmm. and I've been really reflective. Like, what have I done? You know, just to be honest, like, what have I done in these 10 years? I, you know, like after he passed, I was like, okay, I'm having the whole, my whole rest of my life without him here in this physical presence, because he's with me. Like, I know for sure he is like with me, but not in a way that I can experience with my like human eyes in this Mm -hmm. dimension. Um, So I was like, yeah, like uh, I'm going to have to go the rest of my life. And then I would think like, okay, three months, a year, 10 years, 20 mm. years, and just like a decade is a huge marker for me. And I'm just, I'm doing a lot of reflecting and his birthday was, um, you know, like nine days ago and he mm. would have been 50. So I'm, I'm having a lot of like grief around what was, what, what could have been, you know, like the, the future that mm. we had planned together uh we were gonna like try to start a family and that never happened um Mm. so just things like that and also me as an individual sometimes I'm like am I just stuck in my grief like what like I'm never gonna move on and I hate when people would suggest that Mm -hmm. um which that stopped like after the first year like people you know everyone moves on and that's fine but I you know like I I will never get over it I will move forward (laughs) but Mm -hmm. um so yeah I'm just reflecting and uh trying to be gentle with myself in that okay like what have I I've survived right like I Mm -hmm. I um am still trying and I I moved across the country so that's a little bit of a thing Mm. but um I'm, I'm I'm trying and I think that is enough but also it's such a mind fuck Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking that you said you you two were together since 2000 until he passed in 2013 yeah 13 years 13 years right so mm-hmm. what I'm hearing and thinking of is you had your coming of experience in the industry with someone who was a peer and a supporter and a collaborator and you were his muse and it's like you can never replicate that mm-hmm. right Mm-hmm. Um, and then <clears throat> I see you, uh, <laughs> posting things about dating and how dating is hard and dating is frustrating. <laughs> and I imagine, of course, because you can't replicate the wonderful evolution you two had, it is very different because I also, I'm like, all right. Um, and we weren't, B and I were not together as long. We were together four and a half years. So not 13. Um, but like, it was like, oh, fuck, I guess I'm starting over. And now how do I find a mate who's not only okay with my work, but also supports it, encourages it, you know, helps it thrive and flourish. And it's freaking hard. I think it's really hard in our world. Oh my God. It's so hard. And yeah, I appreciate speaking to people who have a similar experience to me because you get it and Mm -hmm. and you articulated it so like spot on and, and beautifully in that yeah, how the fuck am I going to find someone who supports me is excited about my sex work like that? It's it's kind of hard. <laughs> yeah, it's not impossible, but it's very difficult. Yeah. 
Yeah. So here's why we're here podcasting, because we want to break down stigma and reframe things and give people opportunity to grow beyond their shame. So here's to hopefully both of us making a more sex positive world yes. uh, for other people and ourselves. Um, and okay. So with that, I, I did ask a little feedback from my online folks. You can find me on Twitter at L Stanger. Actually, I don't know if you can find me. I'm really freaking shadow banned. You have to type in the URL. Um, <laughs> or I'm on Instagram still at stripper writer or at L underscore Stanger. I'll put those in the episode notes. Uh, so I asked folks, uh, for those familiar with April Flores, what are your favorite things about her as an entertainer? or a person. Uh, someone says, I love how she's often smiling in her scenes. Oh, cute. Thank, thanks. Thanks for noticing that. Like I'm, it really like it, when I'm filming, I am blissed out. It's like my happy space. I am checked out from, you know, like I'm not thinking about bills or traffic or, well, I don't think about traffic much anymore, but you know, just like day, <laughs> day to day, like stuff. I'm, I'm just there experiencing this, this moment. So yes, I'm very happy. <laughs> Yay. Good. Someone else says, I like the way she embraces her body literally and figuratively. <laughs> nice. Ooh, nice. Uh, someone on my Instagram says, I love her very much and have following been following her since 2009. Ooh. Um, this person said they were a teenager when they started following you, which I mean, this is an 18 and up program and this is 18 and up activities. Like, but let's be honest, like I definitely sneaked peeks at pornography when I was a teenager and that's when a lot of us find it. So that's a very relatable experience. Uh, this person says she's so beautiful. I like her smile. I want to tell her that I am 27 now and I still love her. She is an icon. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I mean, like it or not, parents, kids are going to find pornography. Um, so I would prefer that they find stuff that is more um, positive and representative of people. And it's a really loaded conversation. We can have that another time. I'll have that another time with a parent, I'm sure. But I would rather I would have rather found, you know, the porn that I did, which was stuff like Playboy and Hustler, where it was like, the bios of these women and their interests and all these things, you know, humanizing them rather than some mm. like weird stolen underground sneaky stuff. Yeah. Right. That's such a good point. Right. Yes. Good. All right. So we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and do some listener questions. Everybody look up April Flores. You can contact her with business inquiries only. Don't waste her time. Fattydelicious <laughs> at gmail.com. This is the curvy sex and porn maker episode. Hey, if you like clever t-shirts meant to piss off the patriarchy, go to feministtrash.com, use code STRIPPERWRITER for 20% off. Enjoy your new t-shirts. Welcome back to They Talk Sex podcast. I'm your host, Elle Stanger. I am certified by the American Association of Sexuality Educators, Counselors, and Therapists as a sex educator. So if you want to schedule a consulting appointment, reach out to me, lstanger at protonmail.com. Otherwise, you can find my porn on the internet. Uh, my website is lstanger.com. Hit the triple X button on the top right. 
This is the Curvy Sex and Porn Maker episode. We're talking with April Flores. All right, April. Ready to do some questions? Yes. I'm I'm okay. nodding. <laughs> I'm Nods and enthusiastic <laughs> consent. Enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really I'm still really happy from those all those nice compliments from uh, your listeners. Good, good. Yeah. It's pretty amazing people that are like, oh, the industry hurts women and hurts people. And I'm like, have you met our fans though? <laughs> some of you know, some of them really uh, adore and, and lift us up. Okay. So listener question one. This one actually took me a few minutes to to really break down in my mind. So person asks, how can I recognize praise kink flirting versus just being treated with decency and respect? And I was like, wow, I have a praise kink. And I also like being treated with decency and respect. (laughs) So how do we parse them? What do you think? Yeah, I thought, I think this is such a good question too, because I, I feel like, for me and everything I'm going to say is just in relation to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like sometimes just people can just be very rushed and busy and, and um, not always so nice. So when someone is being nice to us and treating us with decency and respect, it's like, uh, what? Mm. <laughs> um, but for me, like if I notice that, um, my body is becoming aroused <laughs> that, you know, I think then that's, that's when I, I feel like, okay, maybe this is more of a kink uh, flirting. Mm. Um, yeah. Mm. Like my, my body cues. Uh, what about you? So I actually Googled what is praise kink because I needed to have it put into other terms. And so for example, uh, mashable.com on their life, sex, dating and relationships, recent article, says, if you find yourself feeling turned on when receiving praise or positive feedback from a partner or a prospective partner, it may be that you have a praise kink. Um, Insider.com on an article, what is a praise kink and how do I know if I have one? It says a praise kink is when someone gets sexually aroused by compliments or praise. This can be incorporated into your sex life or romantic life. And so then I asked a friend of mine who is a prolific dater and excellent communicator. His name's Courtney Brame. He runs a nonprofit about uh, herpes education and uh, suicide prevention, um, something positive for positive people or spfpp.org. And I said, what are your principles you look for in a partner? What are they again? There's four words. And he said, so this is how you know if you're being respected by someone you're dating. This is what he's parsed it down to. When somebody shows up with consistency, reciprocity, transparency, and maturity. So I think... I love this. I ask him to remind me of these all the time. But when I'm interacting with anybody, whether it's for work or pleasure or love, uh, you know, or or whatever, is someone being consistent? Are they being reciprocal? Are they being transparent? Are they being mature? These are the baselines for the interactions I want to have. So like when I started dating again, and again, we've talked about this, like, oh, God, it's difficult, not impossible, but really hard to date when you're in this industry anyway, because of stigma and people's shame and stuff. So I start looking at my, you know, current boyfriend, we're dating for like a year and a half now. I'm like, is he consistent? Like, does he do the things he says he will? Uh, Is he reciprocal? 
has he ever lied to me? Maturity is kind of subjective, especially when you're dating a man in his early 30s. But (laughs) (laughs) and then so I'm like, okay, so these are how I just want him to show up in my home, around my friends, with me, around the child, around the dog. But then if I'm like doing something and he's like, oh, that's a nice, you know, that's a nice fire you built there. Or uh, gives me like a compliment, like, wow, I see you really cleaned the house really well today or something like that. Um, And I feel a little tingle. That's my praise kink. (laughs) Hopefully some of this is helpful for people. (laughs) You feel a little pulse down there. Oh, yes. Yes. I I love receiving praise um, while while we're fucking like. Yes. You feel so good. You look so hot. Like just like the feedback. Like I love being with someone who's communicative. And I know it's not easy for everyone. And and I have a lot of experience doing all this. So I, I try to just be very um malleable with whoever I'm with, but mm. when when they're able to express verbally like what I'm doing that they like or how they like how I look um it's yeah it's thrilling yeah thrilling yes (laughs) so yeah I mean I would say being treated with decency and respect should be comfortable for you and praise kink should be thrilling yes yeah okay listener question two oof all right April and L how do you put yourselves in the mood for content creation when you're not feeling it (laughs) Mm. these are some excellent questions oh good try to source well (laughs) so what do you think well yeah it's a great question uh for me i like to think about my real life experiences a person or a moment that got me super hot um that's why for me it's really important to um have in like real life sexual connections or um moments um because when it's with my, when my sexuality is only connected to work and capitalism mm. <laughs> i can burn out very easily so um yeah i try to keep a few people around and just to 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 draw from those things to get me hot um, if, if I'm having like a moment where I'm just like, oh, I just set up the lights and the camera and I'm, I'm like totally not turned on. Like, let me think about this X, Y, Z that happened. Mm. And expanding on that, I feel like it's really important for me too to have sex worker friends. Um, because as you know, I'm sure like we have this very unique uh, experience, experience, and all the nuances of our our jobs in real life, and just navigating both is, you know, my, my some of my friends, I know they're trying, but, um, you know, just like with the grief, also like, you, I feel like, I gain more insight and just understanding from people who are also experiencing what I have or what I am experiencing. So mm. it's a really important for me because, for example, I can tell a friend about, oh, I saw this person, which maybe they're not the greatest person, but also like I need to maintain my own sexual life. So, yeah, they're maybe mm. they're not the greatest, but I need this from this person, just like they need something from me right? they need pleasure from me, too. So it's I, I can approach it from this uh, viewpoint of like, OK, well, I don't want to 
be in a relationship with them or start a family or whatever. Like I mm-hmm. want, it's, it's just this, uh, this relationship is for this. And I find that my non-sex worker friends, they just can't get that. I've actually never heard it explained this way, but I, I kind of do the same thing. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like the well, the well will run dry if I don't refill the well. So let's get the well wet. Like <laughs> sometimes I just <laughs> need to fuck. And I, yeah, definitely have a couple people in my, in my orbit that I'm lucky at. They feel safe, safe enough, you know, like, oh, you'd be a shitty boyfriend, but you're a great hookup partner. <laughs> right. Yes. That's, yes. Okay. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. Um, I also do like checking in with other Swerker friends and just like sometimes, you know, I'll hear from from like a friend where they're like, oh, my God, would you see this script that someone requested? Like, this is so <laughs> detailed. Oh, my God. I'm like, all right, Meryl Streep, like, go get your academy. You like <laughs> like a, it's like sourcing a lot of energy. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel that checking in with friends. Um, And then some days I'm just like, what is my face doing? Like, I feel like the skin on my face, like that doesn't even look like my face. I don't even <laughs> Like I'm not my best version. So sometimes I'll like do some exercise just to get the blood pumping. Um, mm. feel like I feel like the body is like clay, things move around, you know, like am I hydrated enough? Do I need to take a shower? Um yeah, it's tough. Those are great. Like move, move around, take a shower. <laughs> like yeah. uh once sometimes once I have my makeup on, I'm like, oh, okay, like there. There she is. <laughs> yeah, there she I call it my war paint. I'm like, I just got to get ready for the day. Honestly, even if I'm just going to the credit union or the grocery store, I'm like, well, I might bump into a fan. So I got to put the war paint on, like, <laughs> be prepared. And sometimes that really, really helps. It's like, uh, yeah, mentally, like putting on some armor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. I asked uh, Ginger Banks this question and she says, oh, I don't. When I'm not feeling it, I just don't. And I'm like, bless you. And I wish, I wish that was an option for everyone, you know, when it's like, fuck, I need this money. So let's get this custom made, you know, and then I make it. And usually I feel better. I'm like, Oh, I did it. It's great. Yeah, it's true. And then after, you know, you feel really accomplished and then I'll be like, Oh, let me go out and just like get myself a little burger or something. Yeah. (laughs) I always used to get a burrito after a photo shoot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Little rituals to reward ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I just want to expand really quickly on what mm-hmm. you said about the war paint and, you know, sometimes your, your face, like for me, it, something that I'm going through now, experiencing now, which is new is like aging mm. as a performer and like all my, well, a lot of my worth, I feel like just in society for a woman, like all, a lot of our worth is put on like our faces being youthful and our bodies mm-hmm. being youthful and I'm fucking I'm about to be, be 47. So I'm not, wow. you know, I'm like, you know, I'm getting older and aging on camera is interesting. And mm. um, I, I don't really have any answers, but it's something that I definitely think about like, okay, I'm getting older. Like, yes, I have Botox and filler or whatever, but um, it's not fun. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird one. I, I watch and I look at people with bigger, audiences or people that are older than me I'm thinking about uh Julia Ann mm-hmm. and uh she recently and I think she's in her late 50s um she posted and I could be wrong but she worked for uh Wicked for a long time Wicked production and 
she recently posted a, a selfie and she listed some of the work she'd had done or all the work she'd had done. Um, and she was thanking like her surgeon and her fillers person and her haircut person. And she said it really takes a village. And it's just like she's being very transparent about the steps she's going through to look the way she does for whatever purposes she needs. And that is a very stigmatized, you know, a lot of people like might hide the fact that they get Botox even from their friends or their husband, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so it's a tricky, I don't have the answers either, but I find myself, yeah, looking, looking forward and I'm like, what am I going to do? I guess I'll just figure it out and adapt. And aging is a <laughs> hell of a drug. Yeah. Yeah. Aging is a privilege. And at the same time, uh, you know, our jobs are very based on how we look or that at least that's how I'm perceiving it. Mm -hmm. Um, and plastic surgery is, you know, very prevalent in this industry. And I feel like, um, you know, my neck sometimes in photos, my neck has this weird wrinkle. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Like, yeah. I need a neck, neck lift or something. So no, I have a line on my face that I was like, is this a buildup of filler? Like, what is this? And she's like, no, that's just a muscle. That's your face now. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Makes me look tough. Tougher. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 and then I'll like YouTube, I'm watching all these plastic surgery videos. So I feel like that might be somewhere in my future. And you know, this, this type of work, that's what we, some of us feel like we need to do to just have maintenance done. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, it's, it's uncharted territory for me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I look at Nina Hartley and she's looks great. She definitely like, she looks her age. She looks healthy mm -hmm. and active. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's doable. Um, okay. Or cinnamon love. She's still around. Oh, yes. She's one of my good friends. <laughs> oh, yay. Yeah, she looks wonderful. She doesn't try to hide her age. She posts with her gray hairs, you know, mm -hmm. looking lovely. Uh, okay, so listener question three. Someone says, how do you, April and me, screen for potential mates or dates or partners or friends? Because you said you don't tell them about your adult work outright. You'll tell them about the more palatable, you know, industry uh, intimacy coordinating work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I like to, so talking about like dating specifically for dating, like I try to message them just to see like, are we compatible at all? Like, is this someone I want to like spend time with in person, just meeting up with them. And if, if that clears, then I'll, I'll meet them. And it went on a lot of bad first dates all March, like a month ago. Mm. And I was like, okay, I don't want this to be in vain. Like, let me pull some lessons from these. Like, mm. Otherwise I've wasted like 10 hours or whatever. But um, so going forward, I want to keep like our first meetings to like our first meeting, initial meeting to an hour or less, not mm. more than an hour. And I don't want to be messaging for like a week back and forth, like messaging a lot and then meeting up with them. Like for me, my experience two or three times, like I'll, we're messaging, we have this great chemistry. And then in person, it doesn't translate. And so I'm mm. like, wow, I wasted a week and also like an hour and a half on this date. So I'm just wanting to not waste my time anymore and just meet them in person ASAP to see how do we vibe in person? Because it's not the same as, you know, texting. Yeah, totally. Yeah, there's something interesting about that too. Uh, I've, I've definitely, yeah, I've done that before where I'm like, oh, wow, we're really vibing. And then it definitely doesn't translate to in real life. So yeah, I think there's something about that where it's like, just 
a daytime or lunchtime or like a coffee meeting and there's less pressure too than like a big fancy outing or a dinner date or are we gonna hook up yeah right right like a, a nighttime thing like I went on a date this was like a Friday night or something and very early on I was like okay I need to go home and you know when I expressed this like an hour and he's like totally thrown off I was like no dude like go enjoy your Friday like you're out you're dressed you smell amazing like go enjoy without me <laughs> gosh I yeah I I screen by so I screen and also I'm in a bubble of Portland Oregon where there is a ton of strip clubs supposedly the most per capita in the U.S. so there's a lot of people who are used to dating in the industry in the strip club industry which is not the same as doing porn is not the same as escorting and there's plenty of weird mental hierarchy people have built up against that work too. So it's better, but not great. Um, but I tell people immediately, like what I do, I work in adult industry and that is a great screening tool. Um, <laughs> if you're safe enough to out yourself in that way. However, it's also gotten me kicked off Tinder. I'm pretty sure that's why Tinder kicked me off because I wasn't misusing it. So yeah, the, the longer you hide something, like the harder it's going to be. And I definitely still work with people that like their boyfriend doesn't know maybe that they work in the strip club until the ad for the club comes out. And then, oh boy, that is a lot of conflict. So don't Oops. dig that hole. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like that you're upfront about what you do and maybe I'll try it. Um, Cool. Like, yeah, just have the trash take itself out immediately. Oof, yeah, as long as you're safe enough, feel free to let me know how that goes. <laughs> Tell me on the Instagram. Um, do you ever talk to Carlos about your dating life? Like, do you ever check in and be like, Oof, that was a bad one. <laughs> hey, honey, you see that? <laughs> That's such a good question. I love it. Um, I don't talk to him about that, but I know, like, I, I definitely feel embarrassed sometimes. Like, like um, honey. <laughs> Oops. You would have hated that for me. <laughs> yeah. So like a, like a year and a half ago. And so Carlos, whenever I'm with uh, someone who's able to, um, I forgot the word, like they, they mediate or like, they, I don't know, they channel the person. I don't know. Like, like the person. So Carlos has come spoken to me through these people who have this power. Hmm. Um, and I know this sounds wild. And no, maybe I'm it does. Like, it. I don't know. Um, so every time that opportunity arises, like he comes through strong. So the most recently was like a year and a half ago. And my friend was like, oh my God. So he just, he channeled him. And it's wild because my friend's face changed and his, the way he talked, everything was different. I was like, okay, my friend is just a host at this time. So he told me a lot of stuff. But then after I was like, oh my God, I was crying. It was very emotional. I felt like connection and less alone and all these things but in addition to that I was like oh god <laughs> Carlos has been seeing all these fucking yahoos that I've been <laughs> he knows <laughs> he knows <laughs> hey babe times are tough okay I'm trying to get by with the scraps yeah exactly especially <sighs> in LA LA was <sighs> not great for me dating wise <sighs> um so now I I I and and my friend who's channeling Carlos was like Carlos protects you and he if something's coming your way and it's gonna harm you like he stops that so I'm like okay good so now mm -hmm. when it doesn't work out like if someone ghosts me or like if it just kind of fizzles out I'm like yeah 
yeah thank you like that wasn't meant for me so yeah goodbye <laughs> oh good I love that that's wonderful okay last question before we take another break do you have any tips for sex with bigger bodied people I'm straight sized and someone recently told me I should make sure I'm literate on fat or plus sized sex tips are there any differences I feel like an asshole for asking help <laughs> um yeah so we fat people have more flesh um so I like to use toys that are longer like these are very standard answers I feel like uh, mm, like I'm, I'm not this. gonna mm -hmm. right like mm -hmm. I'm not gonna reinvent the wheel but uh like the Hitachi magic wand is nice and long um my favorite combo is the Hitachi magic wand and the enjoy pure wand mm. um, inside because the pure wand is curved and, you know, you can hold it at, well, I, I hold it at the top of, you know, like my pelvic area mm -hmm. and it, the toys inside me. Um, so just toys that ha have some reach and also a wedge is good pillows yeah. uh, like the liberator wedge is helpful for uh positions mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the liberator is very expensive but it's really quality like it's not like pillows that's for sure it's an investment mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah um yeah I really I feel like as a straight size person um who has had sex with a range of bodies like everybody fits differently together and the feedback I've gotten from folks is that literally some people just the way they're shaped I think lends to their preferences and what I'm thinking of is when I asked people do you like scissoring or tribbing mm -hmm. um and i heard from some people oh i'm too bony to do it without it being uncomfortable or other people mm -hmm. said i'm bigger so i actually can't fit on my partner that way so i feel like just no matter who you are we're all gonna have to make adjustments right that's such a good point and also like the ma main base baseline thing is uh talk talk to your partner if they're fat and you know like see what 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 do they like mm -hmm. what does their body respond to Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right. All great information from April Flores. We're going to take another break. Email April. She is fattydelicious at gmail.com. I chuckle. That's such a great one. Um, <laughs> I love getting people's email addresses. I recently reached out to Wolf Hudson. I don't know if you know Wolf. Yeah, of uh, course. His email is Wolf Hudson is by. <laughs> which I'm like, oh, I know what we're going to be talking about um, <laughs> if I'm lucky enough to have him. All right. So everybody uh, take a break, go get your water and we'll be right back. Hey, listeners, do you want to open your relationship? Whether you're totally ready or 100% terrified, I've got something for you. Best-selling author, New York Times, and NPR contributor Dr. Jolie Hamilton is the expert who helps people open their relationships up without burning things down. If you're curious about next steps based on your readiness, grab the only research-backed open relationship quiz from Dr. Jolie Hamilton. Your results are free when you go to joliequiz.com now. That's J-O-L-I quiz.com. Welcome back to the Curvy Sex and Porn Maker episode of They Talk Sex podcast. 
We were voted best Portland, Oregon podcast uh, last year by voters. Thank you so much in the Willamette week. Yeah, I noticed they're not running that category this year in their best of. So that means we're undefeated. So thanks for listening to the best Portland podcast. (laughs) Uh, I'm your host, Elle Stanger out of Portland, Oregon. I'm actually from San Diego area, April. So I... I, I, I never, ever, ever want to live in Los Angeles because I escaped the Southern California, um, hustle and bustle. Although some of it's followed me up to Portland, but anytime I think about like, we're talking about dating, dating just seems so much harder in LA in general, no matter Mm -hmm. who you are, but then of course compounded for other people. Yeah. It was not fun at all. Like (laughs) I, I personally just ran into a lot of time wasters and no one, like, okay, so I just moved to New York a year ago and New York is way better than LA for me in terms of dating because I feel like people here, they follow through. I feel like LA people just talk would never, like they never want to meet up. It would, maybe we'd meet up like one time, the sex was mediocre and then they just disappear. But here people do want to meet, they do want to fuck. They're very good at it, hmm. <laughs> better than LA. Hmm. Uh, so I'm having fun, even though I haven't, you know, found anything long lasting, which I don't even know if I want, but I mm-hmm. am really enjoying it out here, even though it can be frustrating. Yeah. East Coast versus West Coast. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm thinking this and I'm sure some of our listeners and some of your longtime fans are interested and other people who are either in content creation or thinking about it. I want to ask you, April, is there anything you do differently if you could do your career over or start from the beginning, like looking back? Yeah, definitely. I I took a hiatus from performing a while back and it was like a two year hiatus. And that was something I really regret. Um, Why? Right. Why? (laughs) Uh, My partner at the time was not comfortable with uh, me being a sex worker and they expressed that to me. And, you know, I, I had to make a choice you know, do I continue in sex work or do I stay with this person? And I chose staying with this person, which I don't blame them at all. Like that's something they were going through and and needed to, you know, do have happen in their life. But I, I blame myself because I agreed to it, you know? Mm. So Mm -hmm. my, my decision to stop performing, which I feel like it was, you know, while I was still at the height of my career and I just stopped, um, that was detrimental. Like it stopped the momentum. And that is for sure something I would not do again. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if if there's a someone listening who is in the similar experience, like, uh, I don't know, just really weigh out your options. Because, you know, I've been doing it for so long, performing and being a, a swerve, Swerker? Is that what you call it? Yeah. <laughs> a swerker. <laughs> like it's it's me. Like it's my identity. It's it's who I am. And uh stopping was not good. Mm-hmm. And I only blame myself. Mm, okay. Makes me think of the meme. Uh there's so many variations on this, but like my boyfriend would never let me be a stripper or XYZ. Um, and I'm like, well, the economy doesn't let me not work. So, you know, <laughs> I I and also like my parents who fought a lot, uh, that was a bit of something and my parents were not sex workers, but 
whenever my parents fought, uh, there was instability, like if dad was going to kick out my mom and it became really unconsciously aware to me by the time I was in my early twenties that like relying on your relationship for safety is not necessarily a good idea if you can't support yourself overall. So I really encourage people to be able to support themselves overall, regardless mm -hmm. of the relationship. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about role models. Literally, I found, so I Googled, I think I Googled fat sex plus pornography were the keywords because I was sourcing, you know, interesting articles or research papers to discuss. And the first one I clicked on, you're actually mentioned in. So that's pretty cool. We're in the right place. So this is a uh, USF Tampa graduate thesis and dissertation from 2019 by a person called Leah Marie Turner. Role models, R-O-L-L, -L, fat sexuality and its representations in pornographic imagery. She says, so in the abstract, the purpose of this thesis is to use specific fat pornographic imagery as a means to help us understand tropes and fetishization. God, that word's hard to say. The goal is to use our understandings of masculinity and race within fatness to create a possible launching point for further study within the field of fat sexuality studies. So intersecting feminism stuff. She says, my rationale for writing such a paper is because fat sexuality studies is a field which has very little content, but potential for incredible scholarship, which can impact not only our understandings of fat bodies, but of all bodies. Uh, she says, my hope for the significance of this work is that it will help to more firmly place fat sexuality studies in the academic landscape as a site for further research. I want you to tell me what you think about this. She says, prior to the recent present, fat sex was put in a place of spectacle. The freak show fat lady, for instance, represented a body which was both forbidden and non-sexual in a sense that she represented a body which should be impossible to have sex with. These are tropes. Again, these are bad ideas. Um, however, she says at the same time, the freak show fat lady's body represented an enticing text of the obscene. There's some really harsh language, but I want you to tell me what you think. Um, so I'm, I'm seeing some, some like parallels to racism where it's like, what's it like for people to be objectified and also fetishized due to a culture that is so interested in people, but also treats them very derogatorily? Well, I, I think that it's a conversation that needs to happen. Um, I still feel like the fat body is not, you know, like, uh society and the diet uh industry um they are there to make money off of us and um or not not just fat people but all people like this threat of like do not be fat like diet do do all these things um yeah i think it does need to be explored uh one of the biggest motivators that has kept me in this industry for so long is that I mean it's changed a lot since OnlyFans and uh Instagram and now fat people have a way to self-publish their images and gain their own following and fans and um they don't need the necessary they don't necessarily need the studios and the adult the old traditional adult industry to make a living anymore um but i think that just fatness 
and sexuality as a whole. Uh, I, I don't think that people equate those at all. Um, so I think that, yes, it, it should be studied. I think it's going to be a while for it to become like this fully recognized area of study. Um, but like like the writer says, like it, it can impact all areas of, of, of you know, all different types of people, not just fat people. Mm hmm. So glad that you said that, because that leads really nicely into the paragraph I found, which first mentions you in this study. So the quote is um, the contradictory lack of interest from the mainstream porn industry has meant that much of the fat porn created is done so independently, either through amateur videos created by porn site users, which is then uploaded to a chosen site, clips for sale sites, which allow uh, for users to sell their own created content for a fee or through independent porn creators such as porn star April Flores, who began her own website to produce fat pornography in a way she thinks, quote, will leave behind a body of work that demonstrates my commitment to representing curvier women in a positive light, challenging society's norms of what is considered desirable, beautiful, and attractive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, what you said. So and, and I see it in the strip club, um, especially when for a long time, I worked in clubs where the only dancers that got booked were like very petite and athletic, um, or like, you know, slender. Um, and people don't like that, that gets really old, if you're not into that. And especially if you're a client who also wants to see other people represented. So I work in a different couple of clubs the last few years since shutdown with different owners, different booking agents, and there is an array of body sizes and shapes. And it's really refreshing because some of the people who make the most money on some nights are the bigger bodied folks that would never have gotten booked in other clubs. So it's like there is such a big disconnect between what people truly feel comfortable with and aroused by and and wanting to interact with compared to what a lot of mainstream marketing tells us we should find attractive. Yes, I, I agree. And I feel like there has been a shift in what society deems as attractive. Uh, you know, like in like when you said in your time working in the clubs, in my time in adult, definitely a curvier body is uh I think it's more put more to the the front than it used to be. However, Within that, still, there are certain types of bodies. For example, the BBL, right? Like the, the flat tummy, huge mm -hmm. ass, thighs, Guinea titties. Thick. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that that is, I feel like that is the more, ex, air quotes, acceptable way of being um, curvy or, or, you know, not slender. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like, bellies are real, you know? Like, yeah. I don't feel like there are many bodies who naturally are like flat tummy and, you know, curvy, butt and mm -hmm. thighs and stuff. Um, some people are like that naturally, but mm -hmm. I feel like still there, there still needs to be some work done and maybe it's going to take time to, you know, expand <laughs> this mm -hmm. view, uh, where fat tummy, you know, like a stomach with lonjas is what we call them in Spanish, what rolls, mm. you know, are, are good. And like a, a flabby arm, you know, like mm -hmm. I, I still feel like the belly and the flabby arms are, are not really out there. And it's, it's interesting because I shouldn't base, I shouldn't base all the Instagram metrics to like 
what I see is true. But when I post a photo of me, like in barely wearing anything that gets the most likes where I am showing my belly mm. and my arms and stuff like that gets way more likes than, excuse me, obviously, um, a picture where I'm clothed, but you mm-hmm. know, so, sometimes I, I think like, oh, okay, I'm like, after I see all the likes and the interactions, I'm like, okay, yeah. Like people want to see my lonjas and <laughs> lonjas. <laughs> yeah. Cellulite. Like it's, uh, people like that. And mm-hmm. I, but, but I feel like I, I, I hope, and I'm optimistic that the, the fatter, like the more completely fat bodies, like tummies and arms are will be desirable in a more mainstream way in the future mm-hmm. so as we wrap up do you have any recommended books or media or resources or other creators or any little nuggets you want to pass on for people who are interested in learning more about uh, creator-centered pornography or just body or sex stuff I don't have any books or media to recommend but I will say that following your favorite creators on their websites their if they have a patreon or their socials I feel like a lot of us are very vocal in our own experience and uh, we're in a really cool place right now where the uh, creators and the consumers the patrons have a direct line to each other so Listen to us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Listen to us. Listen to us. Okay. I ask every guest this, April, do you have any sex tips for our audience? Yes. Communication is <laughs> key. <laughs> you know, like the brain is the biggest sexual organ. Um, communication for me is, is baseline, the best sex tip. Uh, be open and honest with your partner. Talk about consent. Talk about your boundaries be specific about what you want. Um, And and for me, these parameters, maybe on the surface, they seem like, oh my God, it's limiting. However, once you have boundaries and consent and are specific with your desires, that gives you a whole uh, container to play within. Like we can explore all these things and know that we will, we're safe and you know, we won't have to be like, oh my God, what happened? You know, it's within those parameters, you can have a lot of fun. Mm, I love that. Yeah. It actually comes up quite a bit. People say communication, (laughs) uh, which is so affirming. And then I think also disappointing for some people. (laughs) They're like, damn it. I have to learn how to communicate. Oh, and be receptive to feedback. Nuts. Yeah. And don't overthink it. Honestly, communication can be as simple as like, oh, I really like what you're doing right now. Or, oh, hey, can we use lube for this instead? Or I don't think I'm going to come this way. Can we adjust? Right? Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this whole like three hour like Zoom thing. It, it, it just it, simple, consistent communication throughout checking in. Does this feel good? Can I do this? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I that's that's what gets me off. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and praise (laughs) and praise (laughs) and praise. All right, April, it was so fun talking to you. I'm really glad we did this. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. I hope to stay in touch. Oh, my friend, Valentine Von Betty, she says hello. And, uh, and do you miss her? Apparently you guys shot together some years ago. (laughs) 
daily. I miss her daily. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's amazing. Yes. I can't wait to see her again. Yeah. Yeah. We did a few scenes together and she's just so fun to work with. It helps she to have friends. Really is. Yeah. 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 It, it's, it's really cool to have friends that we can like work with and have fun while working. And sometimes the, the this part that's not great with working with friends is like, you just like fuck off hours, like just catching up, fucking around, putting makeup on. And then you're like, oh shit, like we got to work. Yeah. Oh shit. We're losing daylight. We want that right. natural light. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Okay. Everybody uh, look up April Flores. Uh, where can we find you currently on Instagram again? The April Flores with two E's. T-H-E-E. That's for now. We'll see how Instagram how freaky yeah. it is <laughs> right all right and then otherwise there's always a uh, google to see what she's up to hopefully yeah yeah and uh pay for some of your porn like my friend courtney trouble says pay for some of your porn yeah that makes sense shout out to courtney trouble all right folks until next time 